Y'all pray for me because I'm going to tell a story right? okay. among six chapters. So, <laughs> right. we'll see if I get it. But we're going to start off with Acts chapter 20. And then uh, I'm gonna, we're going to read Acts chapter 20, but then I'm going to paraphrase 21 through 26. And then we'll come back to 24. But oh, I had a blessed time Wednesday. <laughs> with uh, her mom being here. You know, uh, she was blessed, but I was blessed by her being here. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Blessed by the word that Phil brought. Amen. Amen. The very, very good word. Yes. Amen. 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 So, all right. So, Acts chapter 20. All right. So, uh, let's begin at verse 17. From my latest, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. Serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. So we talked about last week how we need to serve the Lord in humility. Verse 20. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, verse 22, and see now, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my, my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord, Jesus to, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Amen. 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 So, uh, as we see, you know, Paul is now beginning his journey to Jerusalem, right? And as we know, Paul has faced some persecutions, some trials. So he's going to, in verse, in chapter twenty-one, he's going to go from city to city on his way to Jerusalem, and he just testified that he knows that the Holy Spirit has basically told him that, and others, that he's going to be bound, and but he doesn't know fully what's going to take place. Right? And sometimes we can find ourselves uh, wondering what God is doing in our lives. And see, but Paul had to go through these things that I'm about to tell a story on. Because if he didn't, then he would have never made it to Rome. And see, God was sending him to Rome for a purpose. So sometimes we're going to find ourselves going through things and it's okay. Because God is shaping us to what he's calling us to do. Right? So, this is a continuation of doctrine and what we're to teach uh, and what we're to pre uh, present to people when we're presenting the gospel. Because I, I've been talking about, uh, especially starting last week, that sometimes we're, pre we're presenting a certain message, but we have to give the full message. And we're going to see when Paul starts talking about, well, we'll get there, but I, I had to tell a story on how Paul gets here. So, he's going from city to city and he ends up calling for people, and he's meeting. sometimes he spends a day or two with some people, and then sometimes he spends a few days there, but he's hurrying to get to Jerusalem, so he comes by Ephesus again, right, and he, well, he doesn't stop at Ephesus because he doesn't want to be delayed in going to Jerusalem, so he calls for the elders of Ephesus to come to him, and he, he's ministering to them, and he's telling them, but as he goes through, he comes to uh, Caesarea, and he calls before Philip the Evangelist, and a prophet comes into town by the name of Agabus. And he takes Paul's belt and binds him, and we're all familiar with this part. And he says, this is what awaits him as he goes forward into Jerusalem. So now the people start to weep and try to convince Paul not to go forward with it. And Paul saying, why are you weeping? Basically, why are you making me sad? He says, because I'm not, I'm, I'm only, not only am I willing to be bound, but I'm willing to die for the gospel, right? That's how we have to be. We have to be willing to die for the gospel. We have to be firm and still in the word of God that we're willing to die. And, and not that we're looking to die, right? So, but we don't want to cut our time short because we're going to see here the amount of time Paul spent in prison Many Christians would have folded, but Paul didn't do it because Paul knew 
Paul knew what his purpose was. And see, the Holy Spirit had revealed to Paul that he was going to make it to Rome. So even in the fact that they tried to kill him, even the fact that they kept him in prison for years, he didn't let that stop him. He pressed on. And that's how we got to be. With regardless of what obstacles we face, we got to press on. So now, Paul gets to Jerusalem. And the next day, his companions, he goes with his companions uh, before James. As we know that James is the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. So he goes before James and the elders of the day. And he starts telling them what the Lord is doing in the Gentiles. Now this is the second time telling them this. But he had, in uh, chapter 19, he just came from Ephesus where a lot of miracles were done. People were delivered from sorcery and witchcraft there, right? So the supernatural. So the church in Ephesus was a lot different than the church in Corinth. So people focus sometimes on the giftings of the Spirit with the Corinthian church, but a lot of things happen with the church in Ephesus, but we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> but, you know, so he's telling them this, and they start rejoicing. They're happy, and that, but they tell Paul, say, listen, it's only a matter of time before the Jews find out that you're here. Because word has been going around that you have been leading Jews away from the, following the Mosaic law. And as you know, thousands of Jews have come to Christ, but they still follow the Mosaic law. So they come up with a suggestion that, hey, we have four men that are coming up on their rites of passage. Go to the temple with them and pay their tribute. And this way, people will see that you're still following the Jewish laws. So Paul agrees, and he goes. So they get there, they shave their head, and they, they go through the, um, through the uh, requirements that they have to go through, and now they have a seven-day period. So as they're getting close to the time frame of the seven-day period, here come these Jews from Asia. And Paul ran into them before, early in, in uh, Acts. And I have no doubt that these people had to be demon-possessed. They continue every time that they, wherever Paul went, there they were. <laughs> and they were always there stirring up the crowd. So here they are, they come into the temple. Now, Paul is already in the midst of these Jews, but nobody's saying anything. But here come these uh, uh, Jews from Asia. And now they see Paul, and they say, they get everybody's attention, say, this is the man that's been causing trouble, basically among our people. That's leading our people away. And they thought that, they presumed that Paul brought a Gentile into the temple because they seen him uh, with a Gentile that was from Ephesus, but they assumed that. But the interesting fact is this, that Paul never broke the Jewish laws, right? But they were accusing him of this, and Paul was lied on, as we're going to see as we get closer to this. So, all of a sudden, there's a big uproar now. So... As you know, you had the Romans there. They, they had to protect all the stuff that's going on and make sure the Jews don't get out of line, right? So it's not always like it's portrayed in the movies because it was almost like a, a quid pro pro, right? So it's like you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. So the Romans also used the, the, the Sanhedrin, the Jews, to try to keep the peace there, right? So they would give them favors, favor for favor, right, to, to help them. So anyway, so they get the... Uh, the commander of the army rounds up some soldiers and they go down there to fi figure out what all the ruckus is about. Then they get there and as they cast Paul out of the temple and then they, uh, he's trying to figure out what's going on so they grab hold of Paul. Right? So Paul speaks to the commander in Greek. Right? So this is why Paul was selected to do what he was called to do and not Peter and not James because Paul was brought up a certain way. Wow. Where the other disciples other apostles were not. See, so we're going to see here through these, as I paraphrase the story, that everything that Paul was brought up in got him out of trouble <laughs> in some form or fashion. So the, uh, the commander actually thinks Paul is Egyptian. He thinks he's some Egyptian that created some revolt, revolt of 4,000 men, right? But he realizes as Paul speaking Greek to him that Paul is educated. Mm -hmm. So he allows him to speak. Right? So now, Paul begins to speak to the Jews, and guess what? He doesn't speak to them in Greek. He speaks to them in Hebrew, so now they listen to him. <laughs> right? So now they're listening to him, and they listen to him the whole entire way until he gets to the end, where he says, God called me to the Gentiles. Now they're upset, and they're angry, <laughs> right? And, and now they're trying to get rid of him, so uh, they're really trying to kill him, right? That, because they felt he violated the temple law, and there was a, there was a sign there. 
that if you did violate the temple, the Romans allowed them to stone people to kill them. So, the, uh, the commander tells the soldiers, take Paul and get him to the barracks. Chain him up, get him to the barracks, and beat him to figure out what's going on. So, as they're going to take Paul, Paul says, would you beat a Roman? Right? See? Peter couldn't claim that. Right? So, the, uh, the, the soldier goes, wait a minute. He goes tell the camera commander, says, what are you doing? This is a Roman here. So, not only you violated the law where you're about to beat this man, you imprisoned him against his rights. Because the Romans had rights. Right? So, now, the commander goes to him and says, wait a minute. You're a Roman? I paid a high price for my citizenship. Paraphrasing. Paul said, that's good, but I was born in Rome. <laughs> so Paul's more Roman than he is. And I can tell, in his mind, he's like, uh-oh, I just messed up. Yeah. yeah, I just messed up. So he takes him to the barracks, and, and then they have him go to the barracks. So obviously, Paul's not beaten. So now, the next day comes. So he, he has the uh, St. Andrew come in, and they do a trial, right? Um, just so he can figure out what's going on. So now he goes before them. And Paul gives his statement. So, but immediately, Paul goes, uh, the high priest tells someone to smack Paul in the mouth. And Paul doesn't think too kindly of that. So he speaks his mind and calls him a whitewashed wall. Right? <laughs> so basically, you, he calls him a phony because you're showing some, yourself something on the, uh, on the outside, but you're wicked on the inside because you're trying to judge me by the law, but you're violating the law by, have, by telling somebody to strike me. But then Paul finds out that he's a high priest. And then he steps back and he apologizes. Basically, in his own words, he apologizes because he said that the law will say that you don't talk bad about your leader, right? And that's something for us Christian churches, us Christians today too, right? We have to be careful on our leaders, regardless of whether or not we like them or not, Amen. right? Because, see, Paul had every right to be upset with him. See, and some of us today would have been like, I, you know, we don't even have to get smacked. Somebody could just do something, and then all of a sudden we get mad at the president, the governor, the mayor, whoever, right? But that's that's not what the scriptures tell us, right? So this goes back again, back to the elections, when those false prophets were saying all these things, and they're going against what the scriptures say, right? All right, so Paul gives his defense again. Well, right after that, right after he says that, Paul realizes, said, wait a minute, there's a separation here. We got Pharisees and we got Sadducees in them. Paul says, gentlemen, I'm a Pharisee. I'm a born of a Pharisee. I'm a father. I'm, I'm a son of a Pharisee as well. Again, something Peter and him couldn't claim. Right? So this is something else that God was able to use to get him out. Right? So now all of a sudden, where they were all in one accord, now they divide. Because now you got the Pharisees because they believed in the resurrection. They believed in angels, they believed in spirit. And Paul says, I'm here to talk about the resurrection. <laughs> so now they're about to pull him apart, and now they start arguing amongst themselves. And here's the commander again. So he takes Paul, and he separates him again, brings him back to the barracks. So now they decide to make a plot. And they decide to say, well, look, they make a vow. Over 40 men decide to make a vow and say, hey, they go to the Sanhedrin and say, look, go to the commander. Say, look, we're going to do another one tomorrow. And then as they bring Paul out, we're going to kill him. And we, we make a vow to not eat or drink until we kill him. Mm. Right? But unbeknownst to them, Paul's nephew hears what's going on. So Paul's nephew goes in, into the barracks and tells Paul what happens, what he hears. So Paul sends his nephew with the centurion to go tell the commander. And the commander takes his nephew aside and says, what's going on? And the nephew explains what's going on. And the commander says, don't tell anybody what you just told me. All right. So now the commander raised up over 470 troops to go and escort Paul out to, uh, to the governor Felix in uh, Caesarea. Right, so they escort Paul there at nighttime. Right, about 9 o'clock at night. They take him out there and they get him before the governor. But he writes, the commander writes a letter to uh, the governor and he says, Listen, I have this man and they were plotting to kill him. But I found no reason. It's something disgusting they're uh, dealing with their law. But I found no reason for him to be in bondage or to be killed. There's no reason for that, right? So I'm sending him to you. So now, a few days later, here come the Sanhedrin with a lawyer. You should read this one. If you <laughs> because it's a 
still out there because they buttering up <laughs> the governor and everything. But anyway, <laughs> so they they uh they get there and they tell the story and they're basically telling the story a lot on Paul. See, Paul understood what Jesus was going through because just like they lied on Jesus, they lied on Paul. Yeah. And see, they imprisoned Paul for no reason, right? They made things up. So Paul would. When it was time for Paul to speak, Paul gave his defense before the governor. And Paul tells him, say, look, none of these people can dispute what I'm saying. And none of the people who accuse me can dispute what I'm saying. Or they would have been here. Where are they now? Right? So now, fast forward, he takes Paul and, and uh, he puts him up. And then he decides to bring Paul back out later on to him and his wife, Drusilla. And we're going to come back to that. That's what we're going to read. But... Going over to chapter 25, uh, or actually the end of chapter 24, Felix, the governor, decides to do the, uh, the Jews a favor because he's a governor and he's a people pleaser, right? So he keeps Paul in prison for two years, right? But he says people could come and go. They could come and go. You know, they, they, people can bring him stuff. And really, he wanted people to bring him in because we learned at the end of chapter 24 that he was looking for a bribe from Paul. Right? So he knew Paul had money because Paul said earlier that he came to bring money to the people in Jerusalem. Right? So he was looking for a bribe. But he also wanted to be a people pleaser. So he kept Paul in it for two years. Right? But we'll remember that as we get back to that. Alright, so now going to chapter 20, 25, now there's a new governor on scene. So Paul's still in prison. And as Paul's in prison, this new governor decides to go to Jerusalem. And as he, he's in Jerusalem, guess what? These same Jews come to him and say, hey, why don't you bring Paul here so we can do away with him? Yeah. Right? So, but the governor doesn't do it right away. Right? So he goes back. He says, well, listen. Why don't y'all come down here and make your allegation against him, and we'll see where it goes from there. So they come back, because he stays, so probably about two weeks later, because he stays in Jerusalem for about ten days, the governor does. So they come back, and Paul goes before them, and again, he's telling his story again, right? And he's trying to, now this new governor, again, people pleasing, trying to do these new Jews, trying to do the, the Jews a favor, and ask Paul, say, hey, why don't you, would you be willing to go to Jerusalem and allow me to hear you, try you back there? But Paul was smart. He says, nope, I'm not going there. I appeal to Caesar, right, for his protection. Because Paul knew that if he goes back there, they're going to do what? They're going to kill him, yeah. right? Yeah. So he appeals to Caesar. So now, chapter 26, here comes King Agrippa to town with his wife, right? So, here's King Agrippa, and Festus is telling Agrippa about what's going on. Now, all this is taking place from Acts 21 to 26, so you can read it later on. So, he's telling uh, King Agrippa what's going on, and King Agrippa has a pretty much knowledge on the Jewish laws and everything. So, King Agrippa says, well, I would like to hear him, because you can't, basically, Festus didn't, even though Paul appealed to Caesar, he had no reason to send him to Caesar because he really had no charge to hold him on. But yet, here he is in jail all this time for nothing. Innocent man. Right? But you know what? To God be the glory. <laughs> to God be the glory. Because even in the midst of him prison, just think about how many people got saved. Amen. Yeah. So, now he goes before King Agrippa and he tells his story about what's going on. So, Festus launches out in 26. He says, Paul, you are mad. You have done so much studying that you derive yourself crazy. And Paul says, no, I'm just telling you the scriptures. Right? Again, I'm paraphrasing. He says, I'm telling you the scriptures. King Agrippa knows the way. He knows what I'm talking about. Is that not right, King Agrippa? So he puts Agrippa on the spot. And then that's when King Agrippa says, Paul, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. <laughs> yeah. Because look at he couldn't, he knew the scriptures. He couldn't deny it. So for him to do what he did, him, both governors, to deny it was no different than what the priest did when Jesus was there. Mm -hmm. To purposely deny him. Because what we realize is Felix, what I didn't say is Felix knew the way. 
Because Paul says that. It, it says that in Acts. He knew the way. The way meaning he knew about Christians. Why? Because he was in Caesarea. So there was Christians there. And you know who the most popular Christian was? Philip the Evangelist. Right? So we already know signs and wonders went through Philip. And Philip had four virgin daughters that were prophetess. Right? So the word of God was spoken in Caesarea. So they were not ignorant to what happened. So they basically had to rebel against the word of God. Alright, so now, let's go to Acts 24. historians. So this one I'm about to tell you is not in the Bible, but we know this from Jewish historians. <clears throat> so Drusilla here is actually Felix's third wife, right? So we know from the historians that supposedly she was very beautiful. When he first saw her, she was married to somebody else. So she is Jewish. So the fact that he was able to seduce her to get her to leave her first husband means she violated the own Jewish law. Right? So, and I, I'm prefacing this just to show how Paul was able to, to speak what he spoke and why he spoke what he spoke uh, when I get there. <laughs> but, so, Drusilla is on her second marriage. Felix is on his third. Drusilla comes from a bloodline that's not very Christ-like friendly. Right? Because her father killed James, John's brother, in order to please the Jews. Right? Her uncle... Killed uh, John the Baptist. Her great grandfather is the one who slaughtered the babies when the wise men didn't come back. So that's all in her bloodline. Right? So she's got no love laws, right? So we already know she, she can care less about Paul. Now, remember, he's going before Felix here, a governor, someone who has the right to hold him or release him. But he tells the truth. Now, compare what we're about to read here to some of these pastors and ministers who we see on TV when they're getting interviewed. Well, is this a sin? Does God love everybody? Does, is God pleased with, you know, with this person's sin? Is, you know, does this mean you, you're going to judge this person, blah, blah, blah? Or is, here's a big one. Is homosexuality a sin? And see, they all that, and then you get Joel saying, well, when you hear that, well, you might as well cut it off. Right. You might as well cut it off. Right? So, and you're going to hear that, well, and, and there was a minister, um, Rick Warren, <laughs> back in the mid-2000s. So, he was interviewed, and somebody asked him and said, uh, he was interviewed by CNN, as a matter of fact. And I watched the interview. I watched the interview a while back, but he said he was asked whether or not it was a sin for people of the same sex to have sex with one another. And his response, well, it might be a sin. Alright? So, before we get to Acts 24, let's turn to 1 Corinthians real quick. I believe it's uh, 1 Corinthians 6. Because 
He's not, he's, he's going to add something here when he says neither. So that's a little bit more than just the unrighteous. Right? So we got people in the church who are calling themselves Christians that are doing these things. Right? But they're thinking because they're saved, they say some prayer of salvation that it's okay. They can practice these things. Keep going. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals. What was that? No homosexuals? Nor homosexuals. No homosexuals. So we can't say it might be a sin. There's no might about it. Amen. Right? So we don't conform to culture. Keep going. Nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards. Stop right there. Nor the covetous. Alright, so just like how we have these prosperity preachers. I got to have my mansion, my jet, you got to have those things. And then we got people bragging about being millionaires and billionaires. But they're listed too. So we don't discriminate and we don't hold one party. So we don't sit up here and say, well, they're doing homosexuality, but I'm only fornicating. and I'm okay. No. They're all grouped here. Yes. Keep going. That's right. Yes. No revelers nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Mm -hmm. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. Thank you. So such were some of you. So, if you are a Christian, you should not be partaking in these things. So, if you're a Christian and you're practicing these things, guess what? You're going to hell because it says here, you're, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. But yet, we don't tell people these things. And yet, when we get, and I'm saying we as in Christians, when they get interviewed, we say things like, well, who am I to judge? It might be a sin. No, and the thing about it is, what will get them out of trouble is this. It ain't my opinion. It's the word of God. Amen. I'm not telling you that you're, you're going to hell. It's the word of God that's telling you that. Amen. So you take your complaints up with God. Amen. But yet, because we want to be people pleasers, we want to water down the message. Alright, let's go to Acts 24. So we're going to pick up right where at 22. This is um, after Felix hears uh, Paul the first time. All right. Verse 22. But when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, When Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will make a decision on your case. So stop right there. He knew the commander was not coming down. There was no reason for him to wait for the commander to come down because the commander already wrote a letter. And we have no evidence that he asked for the commander to come down. So the commander already wrote a letter and said, hey, I don't find no reason for him to be in prison or for him to be killed or anything like that. So, again, Felix has ulterior motives. Okay, verse 23. So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty. Now, how many prisoners you know have liberty? <laughs> and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for or visit him. So it's like, Paul's chilling. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So they keep him in bondage. But Paul can basically come and go as he pleases, and whoever can come in. God's favor. Oh, yeah. Verse 24. And after some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. So again, this goes back to what we should be saying to unbelievers. Heard him. So what's included in the faith of Christ? 25. Now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid 
and answered, go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call you. <laughs> Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. So we can stop right there. So he reasoned with him. That word reason means to converse, to proclaim, to have a discord. That is his witnessing to an unbeliever. It's not just Jesus loves you. No, we should be talking about righteousness, self-control, because the lack of self-control means it's really our sin. Yes. It's our flesh that would lead us to not having self-control. Right? Because you go back to the Garden of Gethsemane. What did Jesus say? He's trying to tell them to stay awake, stay awake. Then he said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Mm -hmm. So when we don't have self-control, and it's not just for sexual sins, it could be for overeating. <laughs> right? So <laughs> that is our sin nature that will cause us to those things. Yeah. But because we're born again and we have the power of the Holy Spirit, we should be without excuse. That's right. Yeah. But it doesn't mean we still won't fight against our flesh. Because we have a spirit, soul, and body. Yes. Right? So whichever one we feed, that's the one that's going to be the strong. Because the battlefield takes place in that soul. Right? So if we're constantly feeding our spirit, man, we're going to grow. We're going to be disciplined. But if all we're doing is feeding our flesh, <laughs> then we're going to be led by our flesh. Right? But again, Paul reasons with them about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. And think about who is he talking to? The governor. Right? Who's on his third wife. And his wife, who's on her second marriage. Right? The people, but he didn't hold back. But yet, we would go before somebody on the street, and we won't even give them that. Right? We would even teach from the pulpit, and we won't even give the church that. And, and we go back to the shortcut. Again, the ABCs, the microwave, that goes back to the microwave. Right? And, and then... And then Felix says what? He's afraid. You know what? They should be afraid. It, when they hear these things, it doesn't mean that they're going to give their heart to the Lord, but they should be afraid. And here's the thing. When I got saved, I started doing this. And I didn't know about this. I was just led to do this when I was witnessing the people. I talked about self-control. I talked about the judgment to come. And you know where I learned not to do that? The church. Oh, just do this. Just, just, just say it this way. I'll tell you how to witness to somebody in two or three minutes. I think that took Paul longer than two to three minutes. And guess what? He was afraid. So there was, there was a, when I was in the Navy, uh, I had to stand, uh, I had to work extra duty to stand to watch. So I was a supervisor. And then I would have two junior people up under me, and we were in charge of the restricted barracks. But anyway, one young lady came to me, and she saw when I was out in the world. And she, she said to me, she said, tell me, what happened to you? What, what? She said, because you remember Natasha and them, right? So there was a group of girls, they, they were saved, they were always on fire for God, on the base, they didn't care where they were, they were preaching Jesus, <laughs> right? So she said, they always witnessing to me, but I don't... You, I saw you in the club. <laughs> I was with you. What changed? So guess what? I talked to her about righteousness, self-control, the judgment to come. And you know what she said? The same thing Felix said. I'm afraid. Right? But she didn't give her heart to the Lord right there. But you know what? That next Sunday, guess who she came to church with? Not, not me, but Natasha. Now. Mm. The same people she was rejecting. Right? Because she didn't understand. So she came to church with them. Right? And guess what? She came again the following Sunday. Right? Because see, when you speak the truth, and they're going to, they, they because it leaves room for the Holy Spirit to come in. Why? Let's go to John chapter 16. Felix. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. 
It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So again, the Holy Spirit is our helper. Yeah. He's, he's the one called alongside the help. He is on the inside of us. So how dare we as Christians say, I can't do something. Oh, help us, Lord. Because if we say that the Holy Spirit is there, Jesus says it right here, that he's our helper. How dare we say, no, nah, I know the Lord's calling me to do this, but I can't do that. Oh, holy God. Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside Thank of us. You, so how dare we Father, make excuses? Thank you, Jesus. Thank it doesn't matter how young or how old we are. Yes. That's right. right? But we hear it constantly. Christians making excuses. Mm. No, I can't do that. I can't do that. You know what? A lot of things are uncomfortable for me. Mm. Right? But I still press on because the Holy Spirit is there. So guess what? If it becomes so much uncomfortable, then we need to spend more time. See, because when we get filled with Him, we're no longer afraid. Amen. That's why when the day of Pentecost, Peter was able to go out. He went from somebody that was afraid to acknowledge he was with Christ to now he's bold to speak before thousands and lead them to the Lord. Because that is the role of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Verse number 8. And when He has come, He will convict the world of sin. Remember that lack of self-control. Remember that see, lack of self-control is due to sin. Mm -hmm. So he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, Jesus said he will convict the world of sin in judgment as well, in righteousness. But yet, I've heard leaders in the church today talk about judgment. Don't tell people about judgment. But you have the Apostle Paul telling the governor and his wife about judgment. Alright, so let's look at John chapter 12, verse 48. Since we're not the, uh, I'm going through a few scriptures, so y'all can write them down, y'all have to turn there. Uh, verse 48, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. So everything Jesus said, everything that's in this word of God here, the Bible, is what's going to judge. See, so it's not my opinion about any of these things that I've spoken tonight. It is the Word of God. And see, I was telling my wife that I was reading uh, Ezekiel chapter 3 in reference to the watchman. And we use that a lot for, you know, trying to get people to go out and uh, uh, to evangelize to others. But you know what? That applies to every Christian believer. That's right. Because he told Ezekiel, the words that I speak, guess what? The Bible is the words that he spoke so, all these pastors that are in the pulpit that are not speaking and teaching this, they will be judged. And they will be judged more harshly than the average Christian. That's right. Because it's going to be the blood. I mean, I want, I thought about this today. Just think about this for a moment. And, and, and not say it's going to be like this, right? Because the scriptures tell us we will judge, right? So, I'm thinking, just imagine, individually, you're in heaven. Jesus is standing and said, he brings somebody that we know. And he says, you tell me, according to my word, whether or not they inherit the kingdom of God or they go to hell. It's your decision. And it has to be based on my word. How will we feel? And then, watch this. Then you got to be like, Sorry, you can't go. Then, just imagine. But wait a minute. You didn't tell me. You didn't warn me. You didn't warn me. Now, there are some people that have been warned. But then those that have not been warned, you did not tell me. Yeah, you didn't tell me. That's right. Yeah, you didn't tell me. What would that feel like? I'm getting goosebumps now just thinking about it. Yeah. How would we feel? And I'm preaching to myself here too. I'm preaching to myself here too. Yeah. 
So just imagine that when you're before somebody. Now, it's like I said, we don't force it on somebody, right? But we, there is an avenue. And see, you know, even looking at the Paul, you know, a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of people will look at it from a natural standpoint and say, you know what? Paul was privileged and blessed to go before the governors and the king, Agrippa. But you know what? No. They were blessed to have Paul go before them. That's yes. right. Amen. Because I guarantee you, you go to ten unbelievers right now, at least eight of them will know who the Apostle Paul is. You go to Christians, ask them who Felix or Festus is, they probably can't tell you. Or ask them who Drusilla is, they can't tell you. But here Paul was, and think about it. Paul said, just imagine Felix, who heard it, and who understood, before even Paul got before him, who understood the Christian, but he rejected it. He rejected it. And he rejected it in front of Paul. Now, we don't know later if he came back. We, we don't know. Right? But the Bible doesn't tell us that. So just imagine what he's going to be like as he's being judged. Wondering, I had my opportunity. And God brought the Apostle Paul before him. Who told him the truth? We don't know if Peter would have told the truth. See, this is why we can't compare ourselves to somebody else's calling. Amen. We all have our own individual calling. See, Amen. sometimes we, we, we try it because what worked for somebody else doesn't mean it's going to work for us. Amen. We have to do what God is calling us to do. Right? We have the same Holy Spirit, but we have different callings. Yes. See, Paul couldn't walk in Peter's shoes because the Jews wouldn't hear Paul. Right? And like I talked about last week, I believe it was, you would think that they would hear Paul because Paul was on their side. But Paul couldn't go back there. And see, some of the things that Paul faced because he decided to go back there. Because Jesus told him to go to the Gentile. And he told him, when he got, I'm going to send you far away. And he, when Paul went back to Jerusalem the first time after his conversion, Jesus said, get up and go. Because they're not going to receive you here. Now, it doesn't mean that Paul didn't have a love for Jerusalem. Because y'all heard me say it. Paul said, look, I will die and be accursed for all of Jerusalem to be saved. But he wasn't called to them. He was called to the Gentiles. Hmm. Peter, James, the rest of the apostles were called to go to the Jews. Hmm. Why? Because, and see, Peter did. Peter was the first one to be called to the Gentiles. But guess what? When he got around the Jews, he backtracked. <laughs> he backtracked. But Paul never held back. That's right. That's why Paul was able to go before the people he went through, went to before. Because he never held back. He confronted Peter. That's good. We got Christians that won't confront Christians today. That's right. We got pastors that won't confront other pastors. <laughs> Here, you had the Apostle Paul confronted Peter and called him out for his hypocrisy. <laughs> what could Peter say? You're right. You're right. Amen. Hebrews 4, 12. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 says this, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Discerning meaning it judges. Verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Matthew chapter 12. I'm almost finished. Matthew chapter 12, 36, 37 says this. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. Yes. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Yes. Right? So how, you know what, even when we speak, whether it's on Wednesdays, here, we are not to compromise the word of God. Amen. We are not to compromise the word of God at all. 
right? And, and, and it, it is amazing how Christians don't have a fear of God, right? When you have, really, you have somebody, Felix, who was a worldly governor at that time, who still was afraid. But for somebody to come in and give a false message behind the pulpit and not have a fear of God, there's something wrong with that. Alright? So going back to following somebody else's calling, I'm going to tell a story that's very close there. But uh, there was somebody that they had a friend that was going on the fast because they were believing on the fast for their spouse to be saved. Right? And then they decided that they would follow suit. Right? And then they brought it to me and I said, well, is God telling you to do that? Right? I asked, is God telling you that? And I never got an answer of, yes, God was telling me to do that. It was, well, something has to give because they're believing for their husband to be saved and they're believing for their husband to be saved. So we're going to fast. But apparently God told the other person to fast and do that. See, sometimes if you're not careful and you're trying to do things, you may find yourself in worse shape than what you was when you started. So what happened? The other person's husband, I don't know if he got saved, but came back to her. Right. This other person who God didn't tell to fast found herself in a worse state than what she was. Right? But that goes again, we can't mimic what somebody else is doing. Right? So what may work for one may not work for the other. Right? So this goes back to something that I said. Right? So I'll, I'll say I'll an apology because remember when I was talking about how you know we need to be fervent and praying and um, you know when we come home from work and things like that and we need to spend time worshiping well don't know me this week everybody's not going to be able to do that why because it was only by God's grace that I was able to do that right because God graced me for that right doesn't mean that God may not grace anybody else to do that but it's something we have to ask because it's something we can't just force right. right so God's grace was upon me to do those things so I was able to get up in the morning before I go to work spend an hour hour and a half and then come home from work spend another hour hour and a half because of his grace right so everybody's not going to be able to do that because it's when his grace it's, it's only by his grace we're able to do anything yes that's right Right? It is only by His grace that when He's called us into our calling that we are able to execute those things. Yes. This is why just anybody can't do those things. Right? This is why even when He's calling me to, everybody can't do that because everybody's not going to speak like a song. Just like I talked about Peter and Paul. Everybody's not going to do that because we get emotionally attached sometimes. Mm. Right? And, and, and Everybody's not going to want to speak the truth, but we have to speak the truth, right? Yeah, we speak the truth from love, but it doesn't matter because my wife can tell you, I don't care how people, what people think about me. God, and see, the things we go through, Mother Lab, the things we go through in life is because God is preparing us. See, when Paul was a young child and all the training he went through, yes. being the son of, he didn't know what God was going to take him through. Yes. That's right. See, so when God... Maybe the way I am today, I, I could care less about what somebody thinks of me. Well, guess what? That took place back in middle school, right? Because I had a group of friends that decided not to talk to me. I said, well, you know what? Got to point. I don't care. I'm going to make some new friends. <laughs> but that was all preparation along the way. And see, even speaking my mind, even to the things at work, speak my mind. Right? What's right is right. What's wrong? All that time was preparation. I didn't know what God was going to do. Same thing with polygraph. I didn't know all the things he was going to take me through to prepare me. Right? And, and, it, and it's nothing that I did. It is what God brought me through. Right? Because I didn't know all the avenues that I worked. Even because I've had veteran people that have been polygraph examiners for years that looked at my record and said, hey, there ain't too many people in this country and the world that have your experience. 
that's doing polygraph examinations. Right? So, that's only by the grace of God that did that. But I didn't know, because I can tell you now, when I came, even as being a police officer, I never thought about doing polygraph. But we don't know sometimes why we go through what we go through. Amen. Right? We don't know sometimes why we get rejected from things. Right? So even for years when I was living in Connecticut, my wife would tell you, I kept applying to this police department, that police department. Kept getting rejected, rejected, rejected. It's not going to happen. Then lo and behold, here comes New Haven. Took me in. Which set it up for me to come here. And, and I'm glad I never got to be a state trooper because I probably would have been bored. <laughs> I would have been bored because I wouldn't have got to chase nobody or anything like that. So I got a lot more action in the city. <laughs> And a lot more experience doing those things, right? But I didn't know, right? And even in the midst of working at the warehouse, right? All the people God brought me before. And even as much as I complained about that job, God had a plan yeah. the whole time. Yeah. God had a plan, right? So we don't know why we hit some stumbling blocks. It doesn't mean God is not going to get us to where, but there will be a testimony in the end. And then somebody else has to hear the testimony from us. So don't worry about the setbacks. Because God has a plan. So it was already ordained. Right? Don't allow man, don't allow the enemy to sit up here and, and throw fiery darts at you. Just stay strong and know that God has a plan. Because you don't know who you're going to come across later on. Amen. And then you're going to realize that's why God yeah. did what he did. Amen. Right? That's why you're not ready to go, mother. <laughs> because I know there days where you be like, ah, oh, I'm ready to go. I'm tired. Because you still have a plan. God still has a plan for you. Right? So it's not time for you to go. <laughs> and then you're going to look back because he's got people. You've got people you still need to bring deliverance to. <laughs> Even though I know you don't want to deal with it. I, I know the feeling. <laughs> People think deliverance is easy. It's not. Right? Because something, what little hair I got, you want to pull your hair out? <laughs> You're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> it, it, I'm laughing, but, because it is funny. But, because sometimes some people think they want something until they actually get there. Mm -hmm. And they don't realize the price that has to be paid. Yeah. Right? You don't realize how much fasting you got to go through. The discipline. Because when you go into deliverance, or even being an intercessory prayer warrior. Oh. Right? That's not for the faint heart. Right? But it is God's grace that comes upon. It's not. Right. It's not. We don't look at somebody and say, yeah, I want to do that. No, it's God's grace. Yeah. Right? This is why you have to be careful even when you put somebody in children's ministry. Mm -hmm. Right? Because it's a grace for that. Amen. But you got people that will just stick anybody anywhere. Amen. No, it don't work like that. Where is it the sermon at? It's God's grace oh, yes. that is going to equip that person because everybody can't be with kids. Amen. No, it is a big amen. <laughs> because it's only God's grace. Yes. See, it's by His grace now I can deal with young kids. Yes. My wife will tell you, years ago, God's grace wasn't there. <laughs> Even as a even as a born again believer fired up for the Lord, I didn't want nothing to do with him. But you know, it's only by God's grace that we can continue to press on and do what He calls us to do, right? Because we all been called to do something. We can't force it. Trust me, I tried to force this years ago back in Connecticut. I tried to force it, but He had to take me through some things to help me to grow, help me to mature. And it was for a reason. See, even people on the outside, those that seen the calling, they were like, oh, no, he's not ready. Because they were looking at things in the natural. Mm. But see, God saw what was on the inside. See, Amen. just like he saw David's heart. Mm. He saw yeah. my heart, mm. right? So he's going to see on the inside of each and every one of us. So while others will overlook us, mm. that's okay. It's okay. Trust me. There's more power in here than some big churches. There ain't a doubt in my mind. We got more testimony.
testimonies in here than pastors preaching about in the pulpit. Pastors that are on TV. We got more people that have been through things. They have a greater experience and encounter with Christ and His Holy Spirit. Right? So don't ever doubt what God has called you to do. Don't ever let somebody hold you back. Because guess what? They'll talk about us. That's okay. <laughs> They'll laugh at us. That's okay. But guess what? Ask them where their signs and wonders are at. <laughs> Ask them how many people are being delivered under their ministry. You know why? Because guess what? The same ones preaching behind the pulpit with the collar on, they need to be delivered. <laughs> what do you look like talking about you got, you, you got racial thoughts and, and mental illness too? How are you going to deliver somebody else? No, you're giving them a crutch to hang on to. Amen. That's not biblical. That's not biblical. So I can take any one of y'all to go there and pastor that church. Because you'll be more qualified than they are. But because they, have their, because they have some piece of paper that says they're ordained, and they got some people to follow them, and they lie, and make up stuff, yeah, I understand you go through that. I go through it too. I don't go through that. I don't go through that. You know, I'm laughing. We can laugh about it, but it's only by the grace of God. It doesn't mean that I never had shortcomings, right? It doesn't mean I'm perfect, but it's God's grace that carries me through, that gives me the victory. So, what do I look like? Dumbing myself down. To try to keep somebody at the church. Like I tell people, this church ain't for everybody. And that's okay. I'll be good. With, you know, never mind, he don't want me speaking. <laughs> I don't care what you want me to speak. I'm talking about the Lord. <laughs> Take your head all you want to. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Because, you know, I. I say that to say because people don't want to really hear the truth because it's hard on our flesh. Yeah. And like I said, Amen. I don't want you to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. So in the midst, God forbid you are going to sin and you don't feel Christ's conviction. I want you to hear my voice, see my face, <laughs> and not somebody that says, well, it's okay. <laughs> just ask for forgiveness and move on. Okay. It's not okay. Right. We just read that from 1 Corinthians. You're going to hell. And I'm going to say that for the YouTube people. You're going to hell if you're practicing these things. And we're responsible for teaching the whole truth. Amen. And even when we go before the unbelievers, we're responsible for giving what Paul gave. Where Jesus said the Holy Spirit came to convict them all. See, when we give them to them, that's when the Holy Spirit can come in and convict them. Now, the Holy Spirit is not going to force themselves because we have free will. Oh, yeah. And you know what? Guess what? Mm. We all got saved differently here. Yeah. Yes. Right? They Amen. may not receive us. Right? But guess what? They may have a Damascus experience. Yeah. Just like Paul had. Yeah. That's right. Because when I got saved, nobody else was there. Mm. Think about this. Mm -hmm. Everybody that's with Paul saw the light, but only one heard the voice. Go back right. and look at it. Wow. Yeah. Only the Apostle Paul heard yeah. the voice. That's right. But they all saw the light. Yeah. Uh -huh. So sometimes we believe in people to get saved mm -hmm. and we're asking, you know, sometimes we can get on the habit of trying to beat them down with it. Sometimes it may take a Damascus experience. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And we got to let that be. But we have to have enough trust and faith in God that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Right? We can't try to fix it ourselves. And we can't force somebody to get saved. Amen. Because there are people that do get saved by prayer pressure. Well, they're not really saved, but they go through the motion. Right. But they don't understand. Yeah. See, Jesus has come. <laughs> He's given us the Holy Spirit. So now, guess what? His word is now written in our hearts. Yeah. So guess what? When we're thinking about sinning, <laughs> His word should be coming up out of us. Right? So when we're thinking about saying something negative, he's going to stop us. Just like he yes. stopped me from speaking something just a little bit ago. Mm -hmm. Right? <laughs> Amen. That should happen. Right. 
But yes, we do have a free will to keep yeah. going, but then we have to suffer the consequences of it. That's right. That's right. right? And it's yeah. not good. Because there are times where he's told me, I told y'all before, times he told me to shut up. Mm. Not like that, but, <laughs> you know, and I keep going. And then it's like, like somebody just cut me in half. Because I know I grieved the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. And that is not a good feeling. No, it's not. It is not, not a good no, feeling. It's not, it's not. Right? It's not. You know, thank God for the feeling. Mm. You know, but yeah. I know that there's Christians out there that don't have that conviction. Mm. Right? Because there's no way you can tell me you're going to church, but then you're living with somebody and you're sleeping with them. Holy and God, God forbid, I, we've been in churches where you had leaders that would tell the people. To go ahead and have sex with them before they get married. Oh, and they're in a position of leadership. That shouldn't be. Amen. That shouldn't be. Amen. So I'll stop right there. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you.